Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 317th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're way to worthy, worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back again with you guys on another live edition of the show, getting you ready for a big matchup tomorrow night in the Smith Center, to the top teams atop the ACC, North Carolina and Wake Forest. Um, they're now second in the ACC after Duke's loss last night at home to Pittsburgh. The two big four foes will do battle tomorrow night um, in what's going to be a big-time game um, in the ACC in early January. So we'll do what we always do when we preview a game. We'll tell you everything you need to know about the opponent – Look at the game from the Carolina perspective. Talk about how important this game is for Wake Forest and why they're they're going to be motivated to go into the Smith Center and get a win, give our keys to the game and so much more. But as we do in every preview edition of the pod, we, we start as we always do with the pod thought of the day. And we go to legendary women's basketball coach from Tennessee, Pat Summit. Um, and the thought is, quote, Sometimes you learn more from losing than winning. Losing forces you to re-examine. And um, Carolina did a lot of losing last year, losing 13 games, uh, which is frankly unacceptable. It's too many in a season. And, you know, I think Hubert Davis was forced to peel back the curtain, look at what worked, what didn't work, and figure out a way to restore this program. Um, look, I, I've said oftentimes that the days of going 35 and four are done. Like you had a national champion last year win with nine losses. That's the new normal in college basketball with every conference playing 20 conference games, 
the non-conference schedule that Carolina is going to play. Um, they're going to lose some games. But 13 is not a number that we should ever see in a single season. It should take you roughly two years to lose 13 games. And you look now, Carolina's 15-3. and three. They're atop the ACC. They got a chance to be number three in this week's AP poll when it comes out on Monday afternoon. And um, while, you know, last year was hard, it wasn't fun for anybody, you can't help but say if you look at what Carolina went through last year, it's uh, led them to the success they're enjoying this season and hopefully moving forward. Well, we've mentioned it many times. It's not just what they went through last year that has allowed them to be successful, but it's the fact that Carolina made the decision not to go to the NIT. You do wonder if they go to the NIT, how different really does this roster end up looking? And if they don't have one of these pieces, either Cormac Ryan or Harrison Ingram, I think mainly, then there's a good chance Carolina is not where they're at right now. So, I mean, there was a lot of criticism at the time. There's probably still people that are not comfortable with the decision that Carolina ended up making. But this season is starting to look like one of those special seasons again in Chapel Hill. And if it is, and Carolina does end up cutting down the nets at the end of the season, or even if they just make it to the Final Four at the end of the year, then you can really look back and say that everything that Carolina went through probably ultimately led them to that point. Um, you know, it's it's something that if you look back at some of the greatest dynasties in sports, there will be moments like this for some of them where there were moments of adversity and they were able to power through. And I think you're starting to see now, and I said it early in the year, when we were watching Carolina, I think now you're seeing Hubert Davis and who he really is as a head coach. I think the first two years, and look, that run to the national championship game was amazing. I just think it was a great recipe of all the things coming together at the right time. Um, they won the game that they needed to, and that really jumped everything off. But then last year, I think you saw a second-year head coach. You saw a guy that uh, along with his team, probably felt a little bit of the pressure that was on his shoulders from how successful he was in his first year. And now you're starting to see that this is a guy that knows how to coach. He coaches hard um, and, and that his staff, uh, we, we mentioned it when we talked about it in the offseason, we, we thought he needed to make staff changes. He really only made one by adding Marcus Page uh, when Jackie Manuel left. And boy, this team is, has really look different. I, I don't know if Marcus can be credited with all of that. Um, I definitely think it's it's something that needs to be noted. But I think you're just seeing a staff that's more comfortable. They like that they are, you know, more tied to the players that are there this year than they were a year ago. And the fact that Carolina is playing the way that they're playing right now is, you know, something that I don't even know if we could have imagined. I don't I, I think we thought Carolina had a chance to be really good. We boldly predicted that this would be a team that can make the final four. I think even then we were probably thinking this is a team that would probably have to make a run as, you know, a five, six seed in the NCAA tournament, something like that, because it was going to take a little bit of time for Carolina to return to the Carolina that we thought for them to be one of the best teams in the country at this point in the season. I, I think it's, it's amazing to watch as fans and it's a huge credit to, Hubert Davis and his staff for getting this thing turned around quickly and even more than that. Muted. You're muted, bro. 
when I when I picked them to make the final four, I don't remember, you know, I don't really get into the seed line type of stuff. I didn't think Carolina would be a low seed because you don't see low seeds typically make the final four. I did not have them being uh, a one seed in the middle of January. Just didn't see that coming. I thought the non-conference schedule was too hard. I thought this was going to be a team like a few years ago, blossom late, but once it all came together, was going to be a tough team to deal with. And, um, you know, hopefully they're not peaking too soon. And hopefully, you know, this is still going to be a team that as we work our way through the season, will remain among one of the best that the country has to offer. Well, their next opponent is one of the best teams in the ACC, the Wake Forest Neiman Deacons. Um, they're 13-5. and five. They're 5-2 and two, um, on the year, um, led by Steve Forbes, a guy that despite not having made the tournament at Wake Forest, has done a fantastic job reviving that dormant program. Um, he's arguably the best coach in the conference at navigating the transfer portal. Um, he's They've had the last two conference player of the years. Both were transfers. Um, and so the guy knows how to coach. He knows how to coach high-level offense. Um, and he knows how to do it at a place that's not easy. It's not easy to get guys to come to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, especially in today's NIL uh, college basketball world. But he's done a fantastic job. Um, and the, the, the challenge for him and his program this year is to finally get over the hump and make the tournament. As we sit here today going into this game, according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi, he has Wake Forest among the last four in the tournament field. So, um, you know, this is a team that many believe is an NCAA tournament type of team, but is looking for a win, like a win over a top five North Carolina team to really solidify themselves as an NCAA tournament squad. Um, they, they are where they are because this is arguably the best offensive team that Carolina has faced uh, since Kentucky and is maybe the most uh, versatile offensive team we have in the ACC. Five players, average double-figure scoring, led by Hunter Salas, is 17.7 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.8 assists, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three. Kevin Boopy Miller, second on the team in scoring, 17.4 points, 2.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists. He's also shooting 48% from the field, 38% from three. Cam Hildreth, 15.3 points, 4.3 rebounds, 2.9 assists, shooting 46% from the field, 39% from three. And Andrew Carr, 14.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He's shooting 54% from the field, 40% from three. And then Damari Monsanto is the last guy to average double figures, 12 points, three bounds, one assist, shooting 67% from the field and 67% from three. But mind you, he just played his first game of the year in their win over Louisville on Saturday. They shoot 39% as a team from behind the three-point line, the 12th best mark in the country, and they shoot 80% from a team uh, from, as a team from the foul line. That's second best in the country. And when you look at their numbers up and down, they average over 80 points per game. They do it very efficiently. This is, as I mentioned, the best offensive team Carolina has seen since Kentucky. And we all saw what Kentucky did to a 
a very good Georgia squad Saturday afternoon. And this is the team, or this is a team that has the offensive firepower necessary to come into the Smith Center and and not only play with you, but beat you if you're not up to par defensively. Yeah, and that's the thing. That, that's what you got to be able to do against Carolina in the Smith Center because we've mentioned it on here multiple times this year that Carolina is really two different teams. On the road, they're one of the better defensive teams in the conference. Uh, they, they're they not the best scoring team, but they do enough to be able to win the games that they that they played. They've yet to allow six more than 66 points in a road game in conference play. At home, basically a completely different team, really outside of the Florida State game. Carolina has scored a ton of points in just about every game they, they played at home, and they're one of the more lethal offenses. So this is one of those games that really lines up perfectly for Wake Forest to be able to compete in. Um, for Carolina, I mean, there's there's so many different guys that you've got to be aware of in this game. Uh, really the first time Carolina has faced something like that since Kentucky, so – uh, yeah, there, this is going to be one of the bigger challenges that Carolina has faced this year. Um, you know, with Salas and Boopy Miller as their guards, they're two guys that, uh, you know, that have had amazing seasons, averaging over 17 points a game, as you mentioned. That's going to be a real challenge for Carolina. But they have great wing players, uh, so you're going to need pretty much everybody to show up defensively on the wing. And, yeah, with Monsanto now, I mean, they've got five guys that legitimately could be first-team all-conference at the end of the year, depending on how things go the rest of the way. They're they're just that talented on the offensive end of the floor. And then you've got a guy in Afton Reed on the inside who likes to play physical, averages 8.8 rebounds per game. He, he's a guy that also you have to be well aware of. This is probably the most talented squad that Wake Forest – has ever had under uh, under Steve Forbes, who, as you mentioned, has done a great job. He's brought in a lot of talent before. But just across the board, there's so many different guys that can hurt you, where in the past there were certain guys that you knew you had to take away if you were Carolina. And if you did that, then you were going to have a chance to have success. Now, the game being at home, I think, definitely helps Carolina. Having to go to, Wake, uh, to Winston-Salem uh, would have been tough. But I do think that – you know, this is one of those games at home, one of the few games at home this year that you have to be well aware of the opponent that's coming in there because this one is not going to be easy at all. And, I mean, the biggest thing for Carolina that they have to be able to do in this game, I think, early on is really establish the pace of this game. They have to control the way that this game is going because if you let Wake Forest take over the control of this game, they're a good enough offensive team that you can find yourself in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is is that um, Wake Forest plays the way Carolina wants to play. They want to play up and down. Um, the difference is is that Wake Forest is built to run with Carolina. And that's that says a lot about their talent and their skill level because – three-fourths of the conference can't do it. You saw Syracuse wanted to kind of get up and down the floor with Carolina and got ran out of the gym. And I think Syracuse is a really good basketball team. Um, And so, you know, as we draw these comparisons to the Kentucky game, you go back to the Kentucky loss, and, yeah, Carolina gave up 87. But Carolina, if you really go back and look at it, the defensive turnaround started in that game. They defended really well. They didn't rebound. That was what did them in more than anything was 
they got just pummeled on the glass. They gave up 87 points, but they gave up like 22 second chance points. And you and you gave up 87 points on a low 40% shooting night for Kentucky. So you've you've played a team that has as many offensive weapons as Wake Forest has to offer and you you competed, you know, in the standpoint of getting in a stance and guarding somebody. But you got to be able um, you got to be able to rebound. Um, and really, since that game and the and then the Oklahoma game, we've seen Carolina make major strides and improvements in that area. When you look at this game from the Carolina perspective, um, fifteen and three on the year. Of course, they're seventh uh, seven and zero in the ACC. First seven and zero start in eight years. Twelfth seven and zero start uh, in, in program history. Of course, they're still number four in the AP poll as of recording. But by tomorrow afternoon, they should be up to three. They should move in front of Kansas after Kansas' loss um, at West Virginia on Saturday night. Um, they're seventh in Ken Palm, seventh in the net, the only ACC team to be ranked inside the top ten in all those metrics. Um, you mentioned how Carolina is a different team at home. They're 8-0 and in the Dean Dome. And they're averaging 91 points per game. So when they when they play at home, they can score it as well as anybody in the country. The Tar Heels have four players of their own average double figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, 20.2 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring, 14.6 points. 10.4 rebounds. He's shooting 54% from the field. Harrison Ingram, third on the team in scoring, 12.4 points, 7.8 boards, 2.6 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three. And Cormac Ryan, the last guy to average double figures, 11.1 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, shooting 39% from the field, 29% from three. Um, Carolina is averaging making 19 free throws per game. That's the seventh highest mark in the country. And they're attempting 25 free throws per game. That's the 15th highest in the country. And, um, you, you know, you, you were mentioning – Though uh, being being prepared to defend home court, you see the perfect record. Um, so I think Carolina has taken a bonus to to not lose games at home. Um, you know, not to say that Louisville or they're not to say that Pitt's a, a bad basketball team, but Pitt just went into Duke last night and won. I think Carolina will just be reminded of, hey, anybody can come into come into your gym and and, and beat you. But we didn't really talk a lot about this. Um, coming out out of the game after the Louisville game. You go back to that Louisville game on Wednesday, a 9 p.m. tip during the week against the worst team in the conference, and it wasn't as it wasn't a sellout, but it was as full of a gym as you could expect that game to be with a great with a great uh, a great crowd and a great environment. Tomorrow's game is a seven o'clock tip. It leads ESPN's Big Monday, so it tells you how much ESPN values the game that they're going to put it on the mothership and not not on the ACC network. And so I I expect to be a great crowd, a great atmosphere because it's not it's not as important as when Carolina and State meet and they're good and those are two old Big Four opponents. But for old time Carolina fans. 
you know, when they, they grew up seeing Wake Forest be a good basketball program and be a perennial contender and make the tournament more often than not. Syracuse, or not Syracuse, Wake Forest still hasn't made the tournament, but this is uh, one of the best teams in college basketball. This is one of the 68 best teams this sport has to offer, and, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a, a big-time feeling in the arena tomorrow night, which I think will make for a great atmosphere for those in the stands and those of us like you and I watching at home. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt this will be one of the better environments, really, of the season. And that's saying something because, yeah, as you said, you can tell this is a really good Carolina team because of the amount of people that are showing up for these games. I mean, it's every game. The place is pretty much packed. And this one's going to be big. Tariel fans know that this is one of the more important games that Carolina is going to play because, yeah, if I'm being honest, looking on paper – this is probably the third best team in the conference. I think it's Carolina Duke, and then just talent-wise, especially on the offensive end of the floor, it's probably Wake Forest. So it's it's going to be a great environment. That can really only help Carolina, um, especially with this team, because this is not a team that has felt the pressure of playing at home. I don't think that'll be any sort of factor. I think it's going to be a big help for Carolina, but – yeah, Wake Forest is not going to be afraid to walk in here. You know, they started the season out slow. I went back and was looking at their schedule, and it's hard to believe that this team actually started the season two and three. Yep. They lost games to teams like Georgia, although Georgia is a much better team this year. They're probably going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, but you had losses to LSU, who, you know, is more than likely not going to make the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. I'd be absolutely shocked if they are. Uh, and then – uh, Utah, another squad that you probably wouldn't think in years past that Steve Forbes and his squad would uh, would fall to. And I think it took them off the radar for a lot of people. But as we got into conference play, you could tell that this was a team that was feeling really good about itself. Um, they've lost you know, two games, but both of them are two teams that are right there in the same position that they are in the conference race in NC State and Florida State. Both those teams have two losses so far this year. But maybe that's one of the things that Carolina, you know, should, the fans should notice going into this game is that, yeah, well, Wake Forest has had a really good season. They have struggled at times against some of the better teams at the top of the ACC. And we know that at this point, Carolina, if there was any question about it. The loss by Duke last night to Pittsburgh pretty much put a bow on it, that Carolina right now is the best team in the conference. And so, you know, Carolina, they, they need to come out and play like that in this game if they want to find a way to pull out the victories. Because here's the thing. Once you start getting to this point in the season where you're 7-8-0 in conference, you're, you're kind of just as a fan, you're looking and you're, you're, you're waiting for that first loss. You don't want that first loss to be at home. This would be another quad one win that would be huge to add again to the resume. So I think that Carolina, you know, or well, it wouldn't be a quad one. That's right, because they are, I, I don't even remember where they're at in the net rating. I think they're somewhere actually like in the 60s. But still, it would be a pretty significant victory for Carolina to get. So I think it's it's one that Hubert Davis and his guys will know that they need to talk about before the game just how important it is and I think Carolina will be ready to go 
Yeah, I mean, I think the elephant in the room is is the loss, um, or it's the potential of losing because you are seven and zero. You've opened up now a, a, a two game lead in the ACC standings, um, and you've still got games in hand against some of these opponents down the road. Make no mistake about it, though, this game means more to Wake Forest than it means to Carolina because they they still need this type of win to, to to really solidify themselves as a tournament team. And whether that's fair or not is not for you and I to discuss. To me, I don't think it's fair. I, I think I think Wake Forest is by far and away one of the 68 best teams in, in college basketball. And what we've seen over the last couple of weeks has been teams being uh, unable to go on the road and win. Um, but this is a game that Carolina is going to be at home. How much of an upset alert, though, should they be on just knowing that this is a quality opponent that's coming into your gym, an opponent that has played you tough since Steve Forbes has gotten there, and, and, and they know internally in that locker room how much they need a win like this if they want to hear their name called Selection Sunday. I mean, it's probably as as – big of an upset alert as they've been on this year at home. Um, I mean, because really at the time you couldn't consider Tennessee an upset if Tennessee would have won that game. So I think that's something that they, they've got to know going in. Um, what you said there, that this game probably means more to Wake Forest. I mean, for those guys in the locker room, that's not the mindset that you want to take. But what you do want to realize is that this game means a lot for them. Um, it's being preached by their coach, Steve Forbes. It's been preached all season by him that you've got to win these big games, these opportunities against tournament yeah. teams. You have to find a way to win because in years past, Steve Forbes has said it. We've won a lot of games, but we haven't won the right games. Well, this is one of those games that if they win this, you find it hard to believe that unless there's a total collapse, they probably make it into the NCAA tournament. And look, there's a couple other chances later in the season when they play Duke, but more than likely they're not looking at this schedule and saying there are a ton of other chances because, more. I mean, honestly, they're probably looking at themselves kind of like I just said, I'm looking at them as the third best team in this conference. So for them, it's going to be valued very highly. It's one that's been circled on the calendar for a while now as an opportunity. And, you know, for Carolina, I think they, they've just got to come in. I mean, it's a short turnaround. It's the first Saturday, Monday turnaround of the year for Carolina. Now, they shouldn't be bothered by that because you saw the way that they played in the Bahamas. Even though they did lose a game out there, they still looked really, uh, you know, they looked ready to go. They didn't look tired. Those are the things that you kind of worry about with this type of game. But I think there's going to be great energy on both sides in this game. And I think Carolina's on mild upset alert, but I do think that this is a team that can more than handle that this year. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, yeah, I'm with you. This is probably the most losable home game outside of the Duke game whenever Duke comes to town because um, that's just how good Wake Forest is. And they're, they're not going to be phased by the atmosphere and the environment. And you, you, and you mentioned it. They, they know they got to win this type. Like, these are the games they got to win. Um, to really put themselves in the NCAA tournament field. So there's going to be pressure on themselves to go into the Smith Center and perform at the highest level. Well, let's talk about how we can avoid a loss and keep the good vibes rolling and talk about a win. The very first key, it's not hard um, for to, to, to pick out. Um, and and you, you, you see it here from Greg Ward 
who puts a, who commented on the live stream. They have to run them off the three-point line, um, and that's the first thing Carolina has to do. They they have to do they have to defend the three-point line. Um, and conference play outside of the Louisville game, Carol and and the and the um, the Florida State game, which feels like two months, which was over you know two months ago. You know, Carolina's held every opponent of thirty percent or less from behind the three-point line. So they've they've done a really good job of this, um, and the the subtle changes that they made in the way they defend the three point line, we didn't see them paying off in November and early in December. But ever since the Kentucky game, we've seen Carolina become an elite three point defensive team, um, and they're going to need to bring their best effort in this game. You need to be prepared to see Wake Forest make six, seven, eight threes. I don't think this is a game where Carolina holds them to four of nineteen or three of twenty-one. Yeah, they 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 shoot thirty-nine percent as a team because uh, virtually everybody on the floor at any given time can take and make the three. But you've got to you've got to slow them down, and you've got to hold them in check. And the biggest thing coming off the last game against Boston College, if I want to get nitpicky, I did not like the way Carolina closed out on their perimeter shooters. I thought there were too many times Carolina just let them shoot. And maybe that was in the scouting report because they're not good shooters. But, you know, those things can become bad habits. And you can get kind of lazy and not put that extra effort in. That can't happen in this game. Like, you've got to close out and close out strong. I'd much rather them put the ball on the floor and drive right by you for a layup as opposed to you – half-heartedly contest a three-point shot, and the, and the and these guys get hot from three. So for me, the first key, and it's been this, and it's been like this since Steve Forbes has gotten there, is Carolina has to defend the three-point line like they have all season long and limit the quality looks their uh, their sharpshooters get. Yeah, and it's it's going to be even more important than it has been for other teams that have faced this team this year because there's a good chance that there are going to be times where the lineup that can be on the floor for Wake Forest now that they've got Damari Monsanto back is really with Andrew Carr centering the position. And when that's the case, that means that you're going to have guys – and, I mean, look, with Monsanto, it's he's 4-6 – for the entire year because he just came back. But that would mean that the other four guys on the floor are shooting 38% or better from beyond the arc while attempting at least two and a half threes per game. So this is going to be one of the biggest challenges of the three-point defense for Carolina all season long. Uh, You're right. I thought that was one of the things that stuck out to me as well, as there were times where Carolina just simply wasn't closing out. And part of that was probably because of how the game was being called. They were afraid to close out and pick up a silly foul. Um, But I think that in this game, you've got to be aggressive. Make this team beat you inside. Because, yeah, they've got Efton Reed, and he's been solid. He's a guy that was a highly rated recruit coming out of high school. But at the same time, you're asking him to match up with a guy in Armando Baycott that we've said multiple times here in the last couple of weeks that is playing some of the best defensive basketball that he's played since he's been at Carolina. I want to see Carolina make it a focus to try to make sure, to try to force this Wake Forest team 
to have to try to get downhill and get to the basket because it feels like if Carolina is able to do that and prevent them from knocking down those outside shots, I think Carolina can handle themselves in there. We've seen the way that Carolina has been able to force turnovers. We've seen the way they've been able to protect the rim on that end of the floor. So I think that's that's got to be the game plan for Carolina because this is one of those teams more than just about any other team you face this year that if they heat up from beyond the arc, it's going to be incredibly difficult to try to uh, cool them down. It's not a team that's just going to hit a hot streak and go away. This is a team that legitimately could come out there and hit 12, 14, 16 threes on you if you're not careful. So, yes, this has to be the main focus of Carolina on that end of the floor if they want to find a way to win the game. You know, something Coach Davis talks a lot about is changing speeds defensively um, and and playing different styles. You saw the full-court press yesterday against Boston College. I think that's got to be a part of the game plan going in because, you know, it it, it may not feel like a lot, but if they're not getting into their action until 14 seconds on the shot clock, that's night and day as opposed to them being able to get the ball up the court um, and then really start with like 22, 20, uh, you know, 24 seconds on the shot clock. And, and also, we haven't seen it a lot. I think you need to be willing to play a little bit of zone and, and, and see what it does to them. Yes, Wake Forest can, can shoot you out of it, but it also could just be a different thing that you look at them, a different look, get them out of rhythm. Um, but all in all, it comes down to Carolina communicating well on ball screens, switching as well as they have all season long, and then just competing on closeouts um, to really uh, you know, impact the looks they get from beyond the three-point line. The second key for me is, and Carolina does a much better job of this at home than they do away from, the, away from home, Carolina's got to get in foul trouble, get them in foul trouble, and live and live at the foul line. Um, you, you, you know they're you, they've they, they've got really great players one through five, one through six. I like our depth more than I like their depth, and which is a weird thing to say. I haven't said I've liked our depth in five years, but I like our bench. I trust our bench. Um, you know we, we we talked about it after the Boston College win. How every reserve impacted the game. Not every team can say that in this conference. Not every not every team can get to their ninth guy and trust him to to make plays. It starts with establishing Armando Baycott on the post, um, going right at Efton Reed, trying to get that big fella out of there um, and have him on the sidelines. But then it comes down to R.J. Davis and these guards being in attack mode and putting pressure on, on Wake Forest. You go back to their loss to NC State on Wednesday night, and I don't know if you watched the game or how many of y'all listening watched the game. They controlled the game until the under eight-minute timeout in the second half, and then it was like a light switch flipped, and all of a sudden NC State was getting downhill and attacking, attacking, attacking. As great as Wake Forest is offensively, and they're as good as there is in this conference – this isn't, you know, the, you know, the, they're not, you know, Virginia defensively. They're not, they're not a team that's going to overwhelm you on that end of the floor. They're going to get lazy. They're going to, they're going to commit fouls, and they can put teams at the foul line. Um, and so I think for Carolina, you've got to be in that aggressive mindset because it's a the most efficient play in basketball, 
But this game is going to feel like a like a tournament type of game, an ACC tournament type of game. We talk about these games every time we get to March. The deeper team more, more often than not wins the game. I'd like to get into their bench because I like our reserves better than I like their reserves. Well, really, I mean, just, just getting downhill, being aggressive, I think is the key to beating this team, regardless of if you're even getting to the foul line. And look, teams that have beaten them so far this year uh, have done a really good job. Their first two losses of the year, not really, but where were those games lost? Inside. Teams were just getting to the basket and finishing at the rim. Their big men were having success. And then once they were able to figure out how to slow down the big men, then their problem became when they've lost games, they put teams on the foul line over 30 times a game. Their last three losses, each opponent has reached the foul line at least 30 times. So that's going to be one of the keys. If you can do that, if you can attack them, get them in foul trouble and get to the foul line, you're going to have success. Now, the thing is, is you got to make your foul shots when you get there. We've seen it so far this year. And you know, what sucks is that part of the guy, you know, group that is really successful at doing that, guys like Harrison Ingram, Elliot Cadeau, they know how to get there. But they've got to be able to convert their free throws because this is a Wake Forest team. You don't want to play the same game that you played with with Boston College the other day, though. If you get to the free throw line like you want, like you want to, you're going to be able to have success. Teams have all year against them. The problem is, is that on the other end of the floor, you've got to also find a way to yeah. defend without fouling. Because if you don't, then this is a team they shoot eighty percent from the foul line. They are as good as any team. That's second in the country. So you've got to be able to defend without fouling on the one end and then sort of reverse it and be aggressive going at them on the other end to get to the foul line. Because if you do that, you're going to be able to score against this team. They cannot defend inside. They allow the the, uh, inside of the top 20 in terms of most two-point field goals allowed per game this year. So the recipe is pretty simple. It's just can Carolina do it? And I, I think we've seen throughout this year that Carolina is more than capable of doing that, especially with the fact that they are struggling like they have been for the majority of the year from behind the arc. Yeah, make, make, make no mistake about it. Um, the biggest message coming out of the Boston College win was going to be to play better defense without fouling. Um, and, and we can sit here and gripe and complain about how the game was called. But in your eyes, you were committing – or in the officials' eyes, you were committing fouls. So that's got to be something that Carolina, while I want them to get to the foul line, you don't want to put the second-best free-throw shooting team in the country at the foul line uh, in, in that regard. Last key to the game, Bradley Clayton has it, and it makes a lot of sense, and that's rebounding. Carolina has emerged as the best rebounding team in the conference. Um, they're up to 16th in the country in rebounds per game. And they have a, you know, when you look at rebounds per game, the Carolina average is 41.2, Wake at 35.1. So Carolina, on average, rebounds the ball by six rebounds more than Boston or than Wake Forest does. You talked about controlling the game, playing the game at your pace, at your tempo. That's how you do it. You control the backboard. Um, and Efton Reed is like Quentin Post, is a big guy that will challenge Armando Baycott. But this is where Harrison Ingram's emergence as a rebounder comes into effect. This is where R.J. Davis getting to the backboard. Guys off the bench like Seth Trimble, Jalen Withers. 
impacting the game in that area, it's going to be really, really important. Um, the 35 rebounds will tell you that this isn't a great offensive rebounding team for Wake. So Carolina should continue to excel in that in that in that regard. But on the flip side, Carolina needs to be aggressive, going and getting offensive rebounds, getting second chance points, and on the flip side, limiting Wake to one shot and looking to run after after misses. If Carolina wins the rebounding margin, um, depending on what the three-point numbers look like, I feel pretty confident they come away from this game victorious. Yeah, and I mean, look, this is a Wake Forest team that because of how they're built, and I mentioned it, there's probably going to be times where their lineup is going to have Andrew Carr as their center. Damari Monsanto will be their four-man because they do have enough size. The thing is, is that they're just, I mean, they are not a great rebounding team. Um, and, and teams that have beaten them, I mean, for the most part, you know, it's kind of been pretty even the majority of the season in those games that they've lost. But there's one game that you go back to and you see the recipe. LSU, the way they beat them was by out-rebounding them. They had 16 offensive rebounds in that game. And I'm not saying that's exactly what we're going to see from Carolina, but that's a way that you can beat this team because they are smaller. They're not going to be able to handle as much physicality when they do have some of the smaller guys uh, on the floor. Um, And I think for Carolina, that's got to be a part of the recipe is just get to the glass and bully them because if you can do that in this game – then you're going to set yourself up to have a great chance. Get those second chance opportunities on the offensive end of the floor because, you know, if you, unless you are just completely on fire like you were in the Tennessee game and you can find a way to just pull away from them, this is a team that's going to be able to match you blow for blow, especially down the stretch of the game. So you've got to be – I mean, you got to be ready to go – on the glass because that could be one of the areas that if you have a big advantage, especially late in the game, that could really uh, be the difference in you winning this game and losing a close game at home for your first conference loss in the season. Carolina enters with an 80.3% chance to win the game according to ESPN's analytics who wins Mm -hmm. the game and why. Well, first of all, I'm actually very shocked that it's even that high of a percentage according to ESPN, but I agree with them. I think Carolina will win. Big part of it is that Carolina's at home in this game. You mentioned it. It's a Monday night, but still, it's going to be one of the better environments that Carolina's had for a game this season. This one means a lot, and it's a chance to continue to prove to people uh, that this is not just you – playing a soft schedule to begin conference play. This is really where things start to ramp up for Carolina. From this point moving forward, things start to get pretty difficult for Carolina. I mean, their next game is against another team that's 5-2 and two in conference play at home, and they have to go on the road. So for Carolina, this is a one that, you know, it feels like just keep piling up these wins because – You don't know what it's going to look like when you get into that second half of conference play. I think they'll be ready for it. Um, I think uh, you know this is a team that has succeeded on the offensive end of the floor more than just about any team in the entire country when they've been at home this year. I think you'll see a great offensive performance from Carolina. I think it'll be a back-and-forth game. I think it'll be a very high-scoring game. And I think Carolina pulls out the victory. It'll be a close one. I think Carolina wins it somewhere in that three- to five-point range, but they do pick up their eighth conference victory over the uh, Wake Forest Demon Deacons. I'll preface this by saying if this was a road game, I'd pick pick Wake Forest. But it's not a road game. 
And I love the way this team plays at home. They, 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 they have the feeling of an old school Carolina team where they don't want someone to come into their gym and beat them um, because they don't want something like what happened with Blake Henson taunting the Cameron crazies to happen in, in you know, in, in, in the Smith Center. I think the crowd is going to be electric. I think Carolina will be motivated to play and play well because it'll have a big game feel uh, to it. And I think Carolina wins. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. But as I mentioned, I like Carolina's depth, and I like our ability to rebound better than Wake Forest. And I think ultimately that'll be the deciding factor in what will be Carolina's eighth ACC win. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered, HeelToughBlog.com, where um, there will be a preview of the game posted on the website um, this, this evening. And, then of course, I'll be back on Monday evening to recap the game no matter what happens as I continue to take you through the basketball season. As for football, uh, well into the offseason now, but Carolina still looking for offensive line help in the transfer portal. Anthony has an article up about which offensive line targets Mac Brown and his staff um, should be interested in bringing to Chapel Hill. So you can go and check that out. So make sure you're staying locked in, HeelToughBlog.com. Latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. Or there we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.